0: Welcome to the Mortise and Tenon Magazine podcast, where we're celebrating historic furniture making. This is episode number 10. We're into double digits now. I am Mike. And I'm Joshua. And we again today have with us uh, our content editor, Jim McConnell, up visiting from the beautiful state of North Carolina. Yes. Hi, Jim.
1: Hey. Welcome. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So we just got back from a trip
1: to the Hulls Cove. Barn. Oh, yeah. And uh, while we were there and on our way back and forth we, we were having a discussion about some barriers that come up with people who are interested in getting into hand tool woodworking. There's all sorts of barriers to to, to woodworking or to craft in general and, and but we wanted to specifically talk about hand tool woodworking because we think that, that that overcomes a lot of barriers right away if we get into it in that discussion. But but there are some assumptions that we have made. Uh, about hand tool woodworking, and and the barriers that we're going to come up against. There are five five areas of barriers that we we, we identified. Yeah. And as far as that, uh, as far as we're concerned, what we're talking about here today is is the sort of people who come into it with the assumption that they want to make furniture for their family. Right. Uh, there are lots of different kinds of woodworking, but for most people, you know they get the idea that they want to make a table or a chair or a, an end table for a bed or something like yep. that a, a nightstand and so so our assumption here today is that we're talking about hand tool woodworking for furniture making
2: yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah there're all kinds of woodworking you're uh, we talking about spoon carving and stuff like that and right. some of this stuff would apply right. some of our thoughts but certainly yeah specifically it's uh, furniture making yeah the, the first one that we were talking about was, um, you know, as we're uh, working on our workshop, we were talking about the space we have in here. Uh, and in issue five, we have uh, an article about apartment woodworking, how to work in a space that's small. Um, and so the workshop space uh, seems to be a, a real limitation for, for some people in their circumstances. And I think um, uh, there was a former episode, Mike and I were talking about workshops and we talked about i think we both started in pretty small uh,
0: situations yeah different uh less than ideal situations for a workshop and we talked about things like natural lighting and concrete floors and and different things along those lines that a lot of us uh a lot of us deal with in our our circumstances and um but yeah we're talking about how these things can be barriers to our getting going and woodworking and uh, how to overcome them. Um, yeah, like like Joshua said, we're moving into this new shop, having been in a uh, pretty small space before. We brought Jim over there. He said it, it looked bigger on TV than in person. <laughs> uh, but it's a, a 14 by 17 yep. space. And for the two of us, it was... Pretty tight at times, especially if we had a, a dining room table and set of chairs in there. Um, it it became uh, became you know a, a tight little dance around different things going on. But um,
1: but to to that point though, if you really have the urge to do it, like there are ways to work around that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember the first thing i built uh just before i got married i built a bed (laughs) like right uh, and and i built it in the basement of this tiny little rental house that we were in and there were it was open to the elements some (laughs) some of the year and it was poor lighting and you know there are ways to work around that not just struggling through those kind of things but the people are creative that's why i think spoon carving and greenwood working is taking such a, a You know, it's 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 taken off because people realize that well, if I have a few tools and I I can sit outside on a sunny day, I can get this done. And
0: it's amazing that the green woodworking um, boom is really cities and a lot of times you know people find themselves wanting to have a creative outlet and do some creative working with wood, and they find that is perfect. It's quiet, so you're not waking the neighbors. uh, You know, running some loud tool or you know you don't need a big fancy setup but you can still um do this creative process yeah. and uh so like one of the things that we we're talking about is overcoming um some of these limitations by kind of looking back and seeing how historically um you know people engaged in this craft like uh jim you mentioned the idea of well if you have a space maybe that that doesn't have power as right. your as your workshop you could turn you can still turn you can use a a pole lathe or a treadle lathe or something along those lines that you're relying on your own power
2: right and and that's what I did the first time I um I've actually never used an electric lathe I've only I started on a pole lathe oh, wow. I I wanted to I wanted to have a lathe but in my shop um, I had furniture in there it just wasn't feasible to make that work and so I built this pole lathe and I I had only ever turned outside. I'm actually excited to, at some point, have a lathe inside of my workshop. That would be yeah. pretty cool. I've never yeah. done that before. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. you know, even if you say, well, I have this little corner of my garage I can use, but I can't, I'm going to turn twice a year. I can't justify fitting a lathe in there. Well, maybe that's, you know, one way to solve that is say, okay, we'll have a lathe outside. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the spring pole lathe is awesome for that. Um, or if it's a shed without electricity, you're still not limited. Um, and I think there are a lot of answers, you know, this idea of going back to the past to find answers for the future. I think that really, um, that's a, that's a good place to start. You can see how do you accomplish, re- how do you get real results without much? Mm-hmm. Well, the past is
1: full of that kind of yeah, information. Yeah. That, yeah. That kind of real, restroom, you
0: Beautiful know. work with, without anywhere near the, uh, um, conveniences that we have today
1: and you've said this before but but hand tools aren't necessarily an anachronism
0: right you know, right
1: hand tools are a solution to a, a very modern problem yeah that a lot of people have and that is that is space yeah and, and so it's not necessarily a thing from the past finding itself out of place in in the present it's it's a thing from the past that we can use to solve a present and future problem
0: yeah and uh, yeah exactly yeah you know. Yeah. And so, and along those lines, uh, you know, talking about the the tools, sometimes tools can be a barrier. You know, we, as you said, we've just come from the Hulse Cove Tool Barn and anyone who's, who's been up to Maine and we recognize, yes, that we have this amazing resource between the Hulse Cove Tool Barn, Liberty Tool Company, and all the antiques places up and down the coast. Like we just, we have amazing access to these old tools and usually in good condition usually for a good price um, and a lot of people write to us and ask us you know how where do i find these things i live out here in the middle of the desert and i cannot f- for the life of me find a wooden bodied plane yeah and you know to us initially that's like wow that's that's I feel, well, feel really bad for initially you. Initially, you're like, "No, nah, that yeah. can't be right." They, they're, they're everywhere. The yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, okay. So we're just so used to our little, yeah. our little corner of the world. Um, but so, so sourcing good quality tools can can sometimes be a barrier, and there there are a few different aspects to that. You know, right. the one thing that we were discussing earlier is is sort of the decision to go new or old.
2: Right. And, and I think that's what it's a really cool thing to talk about here today because, you know, Mike and I, we have access to all these old tools here up in Maine. And we have Jim here who's talked about, you know, he just passed up uh, several saws in the toolbar and then he said, if I saw that back home, I would have, you know, nabbed it up right away. Um, and Jim has, uh, would
1: you say, mostly new tools? I do. I do. Yeah. And um, that's one of those things where, I can find them occasionally, and I have found some good hand tools in antique stores. But, but even even beyond the the New England thing, the East Coast I think has okay, yeah. more hand tools in yep. general. And as you move west, they just they just didn't make it mm-hmm. uh, in in as many in as great a number as they are on the East Coast. And so the ones that are surviving are rarer. And, and um, you know I have a few old tools. I have an old Stanley. I have an old uh, Stanley number five of an old Stanley number two, that I've kind of restored, and and I love those. But I do have mostly new hand tools, and that was a an intentional choice on my part. Um, one of the the barriers there, I think, for most people, is price. Because mm-hmm. if you look at a new number five by any maker, yep. uh, that's reputable, <laughs> versus right, sure. a, a number five that you might find in an antique store it's 10 times the price. And, yeah. um, and so you really have to ask yourself if this thing's worth it, and if it's worth it, uh, you know certainly the engineering is improved, certainly the tolerances, the materials, those things are, are some, sometimes improved. Um, mm-hmm. But um, a lot of times with new tools, there's sort of a moral question. Uh, because you certainly, if you have the resources, you can outfit yourself really well from one of the makers of, of quality. Yeah. Uh, hand tools there's there's one that's right close here in maine i think yeah Yeah. there's one in (laughs) (laughs) Lee Nielsen's an hour and a half from us and canada uh, veritas makes really fine planes and and tools and um and in fact my kit is kind of a mix of those uh because i i find value in both of them Mm -hmm. but but there are um there are companies that take what they do the sort of uh, intellectual property <laughs> and and reproduce it uh, like like knockoff companies knockoff like companies just, and, yeah, and, okay. and 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 that's a moral question I think like yeah. and for for some people the question is um, you know it's a it's a question of price I can't afford this Lee Nielsen tool yeah. I'd love to everyone would love to but I can't yeah. afford it and so you know can I buy this this um, this one that's produced somewhere else in the world and and that that's not. You know that's not xenophobia. It's where it's produced is unimportant to me. Sure, yeah, right. but the idea that that someone's intellectual property might have been right uh, hijacked, ha- hijacked, yeah. uh, and undercut is is an important thing. But then on the other hand, you know, for some people, um, boy, they just they really can't afford right. maybe this plane, and so that's an entry into it. And then they maybe work on up or um... the other thing that we talked about is that. Uh, it's not you you need a relatively small set of hand tools to start. Yeah. And right. s- and so it is not s- such that you need to go to the Lee Nielsen catalog or the Veritas catalog and buy every tool right. right that they offer. Otherwise
0: you can't do anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not that mentality uh, is not right. So you really have to say it's it's a long haul and, and I'm going to buy the, the few tools that I need for this project. And I'm going to make that investment, and then I am going to save up and make the next investment. Because you can do so much with just like a, a low angle jack plane and a couple of chisels, and yeah, you can go you can go for miles with those tools before you ever move up to something else. And yeah. and so that's an intentional choice, I think.
2: Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I so even you know, I'm buying a lot of stuff from Skip at Liberty Tool and picking up a lot of old tools, um, but I have there are three chisels that i use i almost don't use any other chisels for anything <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: you know, i have like a what is it it's like a uh five eighths a one inch and a two inch yeah that's almost all uh, except yeah. if i have a tiny area i'm trying to get it i'll yeah. have a different a smaller one but i mean it's not it's even it's not one of those things that it's like oh you really could get by with a minimal kit a lot of people i know that are building really don't use a lot of extra stuff. Right. Uh, we were cutting dados for these bookshelves we were making, and almost every dado I've ever cut has been sawing the shoulders and uh, I actually cleaning up with a chisel. Right. A router plane is helpful to establish uh, uh, an even depth, but a lot of times, most of the ones I've made, I haven't even used a router plane. Right. So then today we're over uh, these bookshelves we've been making in these past few days. Um we set up the dado plane and I was using this dado plane so the plane cuts this thing and it's a specialized tool. Um but that is not something I would tell someone, "Oh, before yeah, oh, you're, you're going to cut anything. dados, if you're going to make so a bookshelf, a, yeah. you need a dado plane." Right. Forget the dado plane. Yeah. Just saw the saw the shoulders and clean out the chisel. Yeah. And then yeah. as you get more comfortable, if you stumble across a great condition one, yeah. Pick it up, you know, or if you're
1: gonna cut a hundred dados, yeah, (laughs) right. If If the need is there, yeah, that makes sense, but you know, for most people, you don't need this extravagant kit to start, yeah,
0: right, exactly. And so, you know, just starting with a a basic set and seeing what you can do with it, and you know, that will inform as you get going in in woodworking and making stuff, that will inform. You know where you should start looking, what you should start doing research into, saying, okay, I found the limitations of this set of tools. I'm going to take the next step, whether it's a new tool or a used tool, but uh, it's much better than buying a bunch of stuff that you never use. Yeah. And it just ends yeah. up sitting on the shelf to be maybe scarfed up in 100 years by someone going <laughs> another into an or- order, an o- <laughs> another order, another <laughs> order, going, Wow, well, look at this, it's like brand new,
1: <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> untouched. Well, the other side of that is that too many tools can just be paralyzing. Right, like, yeah, and, and I don't mean like one of each tool, which can be overkill, yeah. but too many tools. So if you start collecting tools, and the key word there is collecting, you know, right. if you start going to antique stores and you find a great deal on a jack plane, and then you find a great deal on five more jack planes, yeah, you, know, you don't need yeah six jack planes. Yeah, and 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 then for some people, it's really their their joy to take an old tool and restore it and yeah give it new life, and that's great. But if you're Object is to do woodworking. Mm-hmm. That can get to be its own sort of eddy that that keeps you from uh, moving yeah, forward in definitely. the stream.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't feel like like I have one four plane jack plane <laughs> that I use, one smoothing plane, one trying plane. Yeah, that's what I use. Yeah. I have other ones for students. I like tuning them up, um, but I don't use other ones because that. What do you, what do you need two four planes for?
0: Right. Uh, you know I mean,
1: what do you need another smoothing plane for? It's set up. Yeah
0: you yeah. know yeah
1: so having a few tools gives you an intimacy with those tools yeah yeah and, you really get to know them. you get to know what that edge feels like to sharpen you know how that tool performs that's especially if you're new to hand tool woodworking that is a great benefit yeah mm. or if you're using old tools
2: and they all have your own quirks yeah yeah you can you can learn that tool and say I know that this plane adjusts this way yeah and you can feel comfortable But when I pick up someone else's tool yeah, it takes me ten minutes of working with it to go. Okay, this one's a little okay if I hit it here. it yeah. responds this way. It's different. And then, and then you're fine. But yeah, if you're constantly picking up, all, you
1: know, all these different bench planes, you're going to get turned around. And one of the challenges that I've that I've run into, uh, not so much tools, uh, even though that can be a challenge. But one of the one of the barriers that I've run into sometimes is materials. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that people do run into. There are places where you might live right next to a lumber yard or you might know a sawyer and you can get get great <laughs> great products to work with and and uh, materials but but for some people wood and lumber is a is a barrier where do you get it other than the home store and even those are not created equal
0: right yeah you can' the, people struggle with some pretty bad lumber you know the good old warped and soaking wet and um
1: and and species too i i know sometimes i'll see people in in the midwest just coming home with a load of maple from the the local home store and i think to myself wow like i would love (laughs) i would love that yeah right yeah i mean i think for me it's like in the area that
2: that i live it's there are a bunch of people with bandsaw mills and a bunch of it's like a hobby for some people around here they just they don't know why, but they're milling up a bunch of wood because it's fun. Yeah. So that's around, but you still got to know those people and connect with those people to get that. Yeah. Um, and I, even living where I do, like, for example, one analogy here is like I heat my house with, with wood. So I could have a piece of property with a bunch of trees and take them down and haul them out and have a tractor and do all that and source my own logs and, for heating. Yeah. But I instead have a, a log truck show up and drop off eight cords of uh, firewood, and uh, you know. then I'm all. Then it's provided for me, I'm able to just split it right there. Uh, for me, I feel like that makes more sense. So to apply that to, to lumber, I could get a van sawmill, I could mm-hmm. track down all the sawyers and I could do that, or there's a lumber yard that's three hours from me that I can yeah. call and they. I know that the furniture makers get lumber from them. And they deliver to my area once a week right and i know that a lot of larger lumber yards do that kind of thing so i think if someone feels like i don't have a lumber yard within half an hour of me for me it's three hours away you yeah know? so I, I think that that's something to really look at um and there was that uh that lumberyard map that brendan gaffney put together
1: yeah that's yeah, uh, a
2: super good it's on the popular woodworking blog i think um, brendan gaffney's lumberyard map or something and uh we'll put the link it's a good in the name. blog. Yeah, it's it's a clever name. Descriptive. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what it's called, but um, so basically, it's it's cool because it shows it maps the U.S. and it shows where all these lumber yards are that woodworkers have said, "I've used this place. I like this place." Yeah. Um, and so you can at least call them and see if you're a good match, or if they're a good match for what you're trying to do. Um, but and see if they deliver. You know, some of them do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you know. One of the things if you're if you're only used to going into a home center and buying lumber, like you can spend all day in there picking through the rack and find the right piece of piece of pine or whatever and and you know all all the the negatives of home centers aside, that can be kind of nice because you're it's reassuring you're you're just kind of left alone. you don't you don't have to explain yourself to anyone who's just looking to <laughs> you know write down your order or whatever. So it can be a little intimidating going, uh, you know, doing ordering from a place or, or, uh, you know, going into a yard where, um, you know, you don't know exactly what you want, but you have to tell them what you want and say, oh, you know, maybe can I just like go and like walk around and see what you have and whatever. And sometimes you just feel like a dork. And (laughs) but that's that's okay. It is okay to to feel that way uh and the best thing to do is just to kind of get over it yeah and walk into that situation feeling uncomfortable feeling like you don't really know what you're doing but that's okay and after you do it a few times you'll you'll feel much more comfortable you might get to know someone there who's willing to go out of their way to help you and then you know just overcome those hurdles of of Paralysis, you know? Yeah.
1: If you say something wrong, just pretend it's regional. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how I used to say it where I was from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you don't know that? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: What's yeah. a boarding board? Boarding board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we go into the lumberyard here and we order boarding and boards. And apparently that's just a fairly regional thing. That's not a thing I understood. We just
1: discovered yeah. that that's
0: no that's, one else knows yeah. what we're
1: talking about except people around here.
0: Yeah. Boarding board.
1: I knew. I. The first time I went to buy lumber at a, a non-home center, and I showed up and I said I was looking for 4-4 uh, four, four wood or 8-4 mm-hmm. wood, yeah. and the guy looked at me and said, you mean 4-quarter and 8-quarter? Yeah. And I, I felt so dumb. Yeah. Like, but I, yes, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I think you could help me there. <laughs> but, but I also found lumber at, I went to someone's, house like they were a professional cabinet maker and they were just selling off some of their stock so that was craigslist craigslist is another Mm. good yeah that's right yeah yeah um it's not it's hit or miss and so that's not really you know great advice but but just keeping your ears and eyes open yeah um sometimes yields surprising things yeah Yeah, definitely
0: and uh you know one of the things we're looking for specific uh quarter sawn maple around here and kind of asked the local lumber yards and they didn't have you know we could pick through their rack of maple and maybe get a piece or two of something close to quarter sawn but um so we we checked with uh well they looked
2: at us and they said yeah quarter quarter sawn what do you mean quarter sawn yeah so that's one of those points where
0: where (laughs) we actually did know what we were talking about and and they didn't so that's a different situation entirely because they still think you don't know what you're talking about but um like the local boatyard uh here in maine we have a lot of boat builders and they're a great resource for wood and a lot of times especially if they're building they build high-end stuff and they're getting the craziest wood and um you know you can source your your mahogany through them and your your teak if you want yeah. teak and uh or or just quarter sawn maple and they know who to contact and a lot of times you can uh you know talk to the right person and and uh be, be nice about it and the, they will let you throw in something with their their next order yeah
2: or at least you know when i first moved to the area i didn't know where to get lumber and i found other woodworkers i found furniture makers and uh, uh, cabinet makers and i said hey where do you get wood yeah and they said you know like i'm thinking about you know one guy in blue hill that makes a living uh, making kitchen cabinets he doesn't really have time to go drive around and like Pick every custom board and that right. kind of thing. So he's just ordering hardwood, and yeah. it shows up. I'm like, that's the guy I want to talk to. You. Yeah. Where did you get that? He's Who'd already done
0: the done the legwork. Yeah. And, and
2: so then you know I can put in my order, my two hundred dollar order for this stuff, and they'll bring it up once a week. And I mean that's just I think that's the easiest solution. Just ask someone who's a woodworker, and they'll yeah. just tell you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let Let them figure it out. And then yeah. Definitely. You benefit. Uh, but there.
2: There's a lot of like so we have this the workshop barrier we have tools barrier we have materials these are like the kind of the core things that you need um, even if you can get your hands on that and you you spend a bunch of time on YouTube or uh, online on blogs trying to figure out uh, how to how to use these tools or, or how to know what good lumber is sometimes that can be a barrier um, not that there's a lack of knowledge or information right but the amount of information is a barrier because yeah. there's this um what is it analysis uh, paralysis by analysis or whatever yeah. there's just too much it's just information so much out there and you don't know what to believe yeah um and we've been talking a lot about that just um you know there are so many things that you can learn from a book that just even body posture or hand motion really is uh, make or break as far as the success of that operation
0: yeah you know Yeah, there's, uh, you know, if you want, I am a big proponent of getting introduced to things on YouTube. Like, I have figured out how to fix something wrong with the car that, you know, you look up YouTube, you're like, make and model and this funny noise, and someone's done a video of it. I don't know why, I don't know how these people have the time to be making these hour-long videos on how to fix the certain issue of the certain model year of car, and they're posting it to YouTube. Maybe it's out of the goodness of their heart. I don't know, but uh, people do that, and you can find some great solutions on there. Um, so I'm I'm usually a big proponent of that. But when you get into like the minutia of trying to get going using wooden body planes, there's just a lot of stuff that a video doesn't necessarily point out. Um, you know, building certain kinds or styles of furniture or doing certain, dealing with squirrely grain in a piece of wood. Um, you know, videos don't always help with that. And um, and you can look at 10 different videos and get 10 different pieces of advice, and, you know, they might be contradictory. And so you just, you're just left with the sense that you don't quite know which direction to go. You feel like you've been hit with a bunch of different things. And, uh so you're just like paralyzed. You're stuck, and that that can be a big barrier. Just having too much information, and so we we're always talking about just that that one-on-one interaction with another human being uh, who has been there and done that and can just show you is such a, a great key to unlocking that um, to pushing through that barrier. Yeah,
2: I mean, but so I mean, I think a lot of people would think, well. The- the barrier that I have, though, is that I don't know anyone who can show me,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that that can be a real a real hindrance. But I will say there is not there is not a. Uh, a famine of woodworking instruction out there. Right, there are a lot of classes. Uh, at least in the U.S., there are a lot of classes that you can take, even just little weekend classes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Introduction to hand tools, and they'll show you how to sharpen. They'll show you how to hold a plane, how to make different kinds of shavings that you need. Um, and it really, I, you know, you could, you could struggle in your shop for three years with some weekend time trying to figure it out yourself. And if you if you're in that place, I, I really recommend, you know, just if you could figure, if you work it out to take a weekend class, a two-day class or something, with somebody who's really skilled and they can teach you and show you, it's just going to propel you that much more forward. Because now you know what sharp is. Yeah. And now you know how it feels to make that pass that's not going to, you know, tear out or a a nice flat pass with a plane. Um, and, and then you, you're able to take that little bit of exposure and go home, and your you, skills can just grow that much more, especially for that, those first few skills, learning how to saw, learning how to plane. Yeah. If someone can show you and transfer that, what it feels like, you'll be, you'll be on your way.
1: That probably goes doubly for specialized skills. Like if, if you wanted to learn chair making or coopering or something mm-hmm. like that, if sure. you were really into a specialized <clears throat> skill having someone show you just that that knowledge that y- you cannot attain any other way than just being present with it. and Because there are, you know, I think anyone who has done woodworking for any amount of time will tell you that doing a thing is more important than knowing how to do a thing. Yeah. yeah so right. actually doing a thing successfully at least one time is way more important than any theory about how to be successful at that thing. And that's a
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean just um we were talking about the fact that so often there can be just so much information but but sitting down and trying to execute something can eliminate so much noise in your head about how to do a thing you, you say oh okay well that was actually that step was actually a lot simpler than i had imagined you know like oh i didn't actually need all that information that i got about this this or that that it's actually much simpler than i had feared it would be
1: or here were five different ways that youtube people told me how to do a thing this is the one that works for me yeah exactly
0: because that's that's one of the things about one-on-one instruction is that this person that you're learning from has has advanced well in the technique that they're doing. And so rather than you being paralyzed about 10 different people's opinions on how to sharpen something, you just listen to that one person who does it well, and then you take that up, and you will find, you know, you get better at it, and it works for you, and you don't need to be stuck in that sea of options, basically.
2: Yeah. I use the right way to sharpen. Right. Tools. Yeah, yeah. That's that's
0: and, true. And it's because that's the way this person
2: showed me and it works really well, and so I am really not interested in learning it any other way. Right, and <laughs> because I know yeah. how to make, you why know, would you? Because
0: it works. Exactly. So um, that that is just a great way to move ahead.
2: Yeah, and the other thing I was thinking about, um, I just uh, did a taught a woodworking class, and I had nine students in that class, and a, a number of the students, at least a few of them, had said, you know, that they came from you know far away, and they flew out to this class, and they. Uh, Staying in this uh, place around there to to spend these five days building this table, and a lot of them had expressed that I don't get to do a lot of woodworking in my life. Yeah. Um. But I try to figure out a, a little vacation where I can take a five-day class once a year, and kind of just focus that time, and it really seemed to energize them and give them enough uh, fulfillment that it, it carried them through, you know, the times of the year that they're too busy with work or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we were ta- I relaying that to Jim, and Jim said, it's kind of like
0: summer camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is. It's like the, the, the thing you look forward to, and then you really, like, like, walk away from that, and it sticks with you, you know? Yeah, and I think
2: that there's a lot to be said. So we're saying, like, one-on-one instruction. Yeah. And then, you know, someone who's skilled showing you that's important. But I feel like the summer camp effect is important, too, that if you're in a a group of people all experiencing, say, building a table together these five days, you know, I walked away from that class feeling like I'm never going to forget that class and and those students and what they were doing and the, the moments that they were struggling, trying to figure out how to get through where they were stuck. And I think that that really burns it in your memory that much more and it's that much more valuable so um i cannot recommend highly enough trying to figure out uh, a a way to take a class with somebody skilled and and be working with other people
0: yeah and that that really is a good um i mean that can totally be another barrier for people who um they just don't know how to make it happen like sure it it's one thing to talk about you know like a, a once a year event which and that can be such an important thing to, to set aside time for. But to, to prioritize this in your life, like learning skills and building skills and, and starting a project and finishing it, like how do you find the time in your life to do that? I mean, that can be a huge hurdle where people are looking at their schedules going, okay, I really wanna learn this stuff. This is so cool. I want to take it up. I wanna get good at it. How am I gonna do this? I am a busy person.
1: Well, and we're not talking about prioritizing it over things, you know, like we wouldn't say prioritize woodworking over your family or your (laughs) job, but, but to sit down and to really think about what your priorities are Yeah, sure. and then to treat it accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. If it's important to you, then let it be important to you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it is like so many other things, you know, like I, I like to run and people are always talking about how, you know, runners are always talking about motivation to run. Like. And how do you do that? And sometimes it's just a matter of just get up a little earlier and there you have, there's your time that you didn't have before. Yep. You just sleep a little bit less. <laughs> uh, and so that, that's one thing that can be done or just um, eliminate unnecessary things. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. We waste so much time. <laughs> Honestly, human beings, we do. If you,
1: if you try to say
0: what is important
1: to us by what we do the most of in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We would all, you know, looking at our cell phones might yeah, be the most important Yeah, that's the most, most important most thing. Of thing. And, uh, well, uh, Mike, social media. Yeah, yeah, Mike and
2: I, yeah, I mean, it is, it is really easy to pick on social media because it's mostly justified, I think. <laughs> right. You know, right. right. It is. I mean, I, Mike and I were talking about, you know, our, uh, our deal with real kind of idea that, you know, we, we each downloaded an app on our phone that monitors the time, the, the unlocked moments on our phone. Yeah. Because... We knew, hey, I think I'm using my phone too much. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to see, we wanted to quantify that, see exactly how much time. And uh, it pretty much bore true what what the app was saying that most people spend twice as much time on their phone as they think they do. Yeah. And that was pretty much true for me. I thought yeah. I spend X amount. It was actually yeah. almost double what I thought. I thought, oh man, those are that's the time I can never get back in my life. Yeah. I would rather be woodworking or spending time with my kids if it's at night or whatever and um so i think being uh being aware of that kind of thing is important and sometimes you just don't even know where you're spending your time for me it was you know social media stuff and i said wow And, and then i'm able to kind of control that and say actually what's more important to me than instagram is working with my hands yeah so that was a revelation to me and, you know, whatever it is to other people.
0: Yeah, because, you know, we're, we're really bad at multitasking. We, like, don't multitask. So if we have distractions in a task that we're doing, we're like, oh, I'll just do this as I'm doing this. Basically, what you're doing is just you're doing two things very badly and inefficiently right. rather than setting aside that one thing that's less important, like, you know checking your phone or social media that distraction you set that aside you can do the first task so much better and so much more quickly and then you're freed up at the end of it you you have set aside that chunk of time and made it available
1: and we've talked about things that are barriers. We talked about workshop space, we talked about tools, we talked about materials and knowledge and and time, and the one thing that's really a barrier to woodworking right in this moment for most of you listening is this podcast.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we are taking your time. Hopefully you're like driving or something, you're not just sitting like, all right, children, I'm off to listen to the podcast, so... You know, Or maybe you do what I
1: do and just turn on the podcast while I'm at the bench. There you go. So, yeah, actually, I've yeah. had a, a
2: handful of people tell us they, they do listen to podcasts while they're woodworking. So that's good.
1: Yeah, that's good. hopefully
2: you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. But let us not waste another moment of your life. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We hope it was inspiring and, and helpful to you uh, thinking about uh, these barriers. And we, we hope that you know we're able to shed a little bit of light onto you some of the things that we went through to get over that. Um, if you have uh, not yet subscribed to the podcast, uh, you can do so on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you uh, get your podcasts. Um, and if you have any questions, make sure to leave a comment below uh, on the blog or wherever you're seeing this. Uh, and we'd love to uh, interact with you and, or send us an email and uh, give us recommendations about future episodes. We, we really enjoy you hearing your feedback.